Darkness is heavy. It has weight. Disorienting, it erases the familiar. It both instantly expands space to infinity while shrinking it down to the surface of our skin. It's frightening what it can hide, and it warps any linear sense of time. I stand inside an Arkansas cave on a tour with 20 or so people. The guide proposes we turn out our headlamps to experience total darkness, a rare opportunity. We extinguish all our lights and instantly, instantly we're in a new place, unfamiliar geography. The moment becomes hyper real. The damp smells are unforgettable. The shimmering echoes of the smallest sounds eerie. And that pitch black changes all sensory input. Darkness, real darkness, away from the sodium vapor's sickly salmon color glow, obscuring the stars, away from collective city lights painting the sky. Real darkness is hard to come by. We have few experiences of total darkness, total blackness. Two-thirds of the world's population, including 99% of us in the Western Hemisphere, no longer experience a truly dark night, a night untouched by artificial light. I'll never forget that brief moment of total darkness in the cave. All the times I've been in black darkness are memorable. They're visceral. They're peak experiences. Stopping on a remote stretch of road to see the stars, backpacking trips out in the wilderness, being aboard a ship in the middle of the ocean. I'm sure each of you have points of memory of the dark and not all pleasant either darkness spells heightened risk of stumbles and drownings and attacks and other dangers the night literally provides a cloak of darkness for crimes and insurrection A lack of light alters everything, our courage, our movements, our experience of self, our sense of safety, our mood, our thoughts. We're exploring darkness because today is the winter solstice, marking the longest period of night. To our ancient ancestors, the sun appeared to stand still as it made its arc across the sky, hence solstice, still sun. Humanity has always watched the sky very carefully, only in recent times after the introduction of electric lights in all its forms, replacing inconvenient candlelight, smoky fires, 
hazy oil lamps? Have we lost our acquaintance with night, with darkness, with black? No longer our friend, no longer reliable. It is a different landscape, as poet Wendell Berry notes. To go in the dark with a light is to know light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that the dark, too, blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. In our northern hemisphere, this time of year is rich with celebrations and rituals across the religious spectrum, honoring the dark, remembering the light. Advent, Christmas, Hanukkah, Diwali, Yule, and a recent Unitarian Universalist effort to join the crowded field, Chalika. Hope Church's magical Christmas Eve service where candles are placed on every single nook and cranny of these rocks is our visceral response to the darkness and our hope for the return of the light. Although, I doubt if any of these holidays resonate as vividly and as powerfully as they once did. Not so long ago when the world held true darkness... And their diminishment isn't simply because of the secularization in our culture, but from that tsunami of light now filling our lives every day, all day. What was it like when people experienced more than 15 hours of true darkness every day. It had to change relationships, possibilities, fears. Imagine coming together to light candles and lamps to celebrate the birth of Christ or the miracle of oil lasting seven days or to symbolize the inner light that protects us from spiritual darkness. Imagine what that must be to come together after you've spent so many weeks, months, in long stretches of darkness. Light pollution keeps us from ever being in the dark. We can count the stars from our backyard with only two hands, rather than be dazzled by the sweep of the more than 24,000 visible by the naked eye on a clear night. Regrettably, statistically, all this light doesn't increase our safety, and mounting scientific evidence shows a lack of darkness, or rather that dramatic increase of ambient light, from street lights to the LEDs in your clock by your bed, affect our health, our weight, hormones, memory, sleep, increases incidences of cancer, hormone disorders. That overbearing glare isn't just felt by humans. 
It's the second main cause of insect mortality. I know you're worried about that. (laughs) But that, in turn, upsets bird migration and modifies mammal behavior. And, you know, we, we respect ecology, and it's all connected. Impacts sea life reproduction. So the evolution of species has depended upon and adapted to these extensive periods of only stars and the moon lighting the way. Introducing artificial light to a dark environment several billion years in the making still resides in our DNA. Our bodies still clamor for and require that dark even that fear that comes from the dark. Our transcendentalist sage, Henry David Thoreau, eloquently documents the night during his stay in his cabin at Walden Pond. That retreat allows him to take extensive midnight strolls. In his essay, Solitude, he writes, how insupportable would be the days if the night with its dews and darkness, did not come to restore the drooping world. As the shades begin to gather around us, our primeval instincts are aroused, and we steal forth from our lairs like the inhabitants of the jungle in search of those silent and brooding thoughts which are the natural prey of the intellect. These personal and ecological consequences of our current lack of darkness are distressing, but I propose there's a primal cost. Missing the dark nights that prompt this array of December holidays diminishes our spiritual lives. When we can't see the infinite black sky covered with tiny points of light that have traveled years to reach our eyes. It's tempting to think we're the most important thing, that there isn't a universe out there that dwarfs us. The weight of the dark, the heft, of the dark is the heft of humility and awe. It's the dark that spawns basic philosophical and religious probing. When a child first discovers the stars, she begins to question what every human since the dawn of time has asked, what is it? Who are we? Where are we? So as a celebration of Darkness and light, Advent and Christmas and Hanukkah pull us back into those most elemental times of evolution. These rituals address not just our philosophical and ethical questions, but reorient our physical responses to the world. In a world of darkness, it is a spiritual act to light a candle in community with others, to sing carols, to make a feast, and share it. Spiritual practices 
are those we do to help us remember that we're not the center of the universe and they are spiritual practices because they involve our body, not just our mind. So from sitting in meditation to kneeling in prayer to chanting in a group, they form muscle memory. Before doctrine, before text, before dogma, before tradition, these deliberate, repetitive spiritual acts are the core of the religious experience. So we come to church not just to sharpen our minds, refine our theologies, and accomplish what a crowd of passionate people can. We come to church out of ancient embodied needs. Our bodies remember long, dark nights. The father of modern liberal theology, Frederick Schleiermacher, 18th century. He's the one who said, Religion is the outcome neither of the fear of death nor the fear of God. It answers a deep need in man. It is neither a metaphysic nor a morality, but above all, and essentially, an intuition and a feeling. Religion assumes a desire to lose oneself in the infinite rather than to preserve one's own finite self. It is at this time of our winter solstice, when our religious habits are about dwelling in the darkness, uncertain when it will end, that we look for hope in the returning light, the desire to lose ourself in the infinite and eternal. Despite competing lights, our bodies know this is the season of darkness and it will end. May it be so.